Well, good morning. My name's Barry, if y'all don't know that already. Some of you I know, some of you I don't know. Um, Jim asked me about five or six weeks ago um, to, to do this lesson. It's Exodus 32, 33, and 34. And, and I said, okay. And usually when Jim, Jim asks me to do a lesson, I always say, okay. And I don't even know what the, I mean, he said, can you do this lesson? And he'll give the scripture. And I just, uh, yeah. And then I wait a couple of days and I go back and open my Bible up and go, oh, it's that story. Okay. And when I did it this time, I said, oh, it's that story. It's that golden calf story. I know that story. I've heard it since I was little. And then I said, wow, there's three chapters. They must, and then I was like, oh, that gum. There's like eight billion verses. And he expe- I am the longest-winded person in here. I'll ramble and talk in circles. And he expects me to cover three chapters in 35 or 40 minutes. He's an idiot. <sighs> Anytime I want to start. And I asked Jim, I said, Jim, Jim, what, how do you decide on what lessons to give to somebody? Because I was really confused because this is a really long lesson. He goes, I'll pray about it. Okay. Whatever. This is a long lesson. And, uh, and the, the teacher handout that Jim prints out for the, one who, the people who, 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 who gets the privilege and the honor to teach in a Jim Millennium Sunday School class, uh, this is how many pages he handed me. And this is usually normally what, what you get, okay? There's one, two, three, four, five, six pages that he handed me of something that's usually just front and back. So anyway, this is an incredible lesson. And, and, and if you're not a student of the Bible, uh, which I admittedly am not a student of the Bible, I read and research and do stuff like that, but I still don't think I'm a student. These three chapters are incredible. You read them once. This is how I prepare for a time. That's how I prepare when Jim gives me a class. I don't do anything for two or, three, two or three days, and then I read it and think about it and pray about it, and then read it again. Then I get on the computer, and then I read it again, and then I go, I wish Jim gave it to somebody else, and I read it some more. <laughs> Every time it happens that way. Um, you read these three chapters, and it's a very simple story when you read it, and then when you start seeing what the words mean and punctuation, and what the conversation between Moses and this whole face-to-face thing with God, you're like, my goodness, what is going on in this thing? So what I'm going to do is, I, is I'm not, I'm, for my wife, I'm not going to read every verse, okay, because there's a bunch of verses. Um, and there's no blanks. There's just room on your pages for notes because when I gave Jim my, my lesson, I said, oh, there's no blanks. I don't have time to do blanks. Um, anyway, I'm going to read, and we're going to interject some things. Exodus 32, <coughs> verse 1. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, uh, the, where, now, why was Moses on the mountain here? Getting the law. How was he getting the law? Huh? What? The people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as, for, for as far as this Moses... The man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not what has become of him. Now, he's been gone. Moses has been gone for, for a month and a half, 40 days or so. And, and, and before he left, Moses put Aaron and her into, in charge and told everybody, if there's problems, you come to these two guys. You come to these two guys. 40 days. Moses is at back. People come to Aaron and go, something's happened. I, we don't know where he is. All we heard was this. Lightning and thunder and this big strong voice and he's not here. And I can imagine that they're imagining that he's not coming back. Something's happened. He's dead. Okay. Aaron said to them, 
Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives. Right here. Break off the earrings. Look at that. The water is crystal. Okay. Because I thought of him. Uh, break off the earrings in your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, fashioned it with an engraving tool, and made a molded calf. And then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar. Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is the feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, brought peace offerings. People sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play. Sounds like a good time. Eat, drink, and rose up to play. And the Lord now, meanwhile, this is a cut scene. Moses is still on the mountain now. Uh, the Lord said to Moses, Get out of here. Go down. For the people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly on the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a motored calf and worshipped and sacrificed to the Lord. Uh, and said, this is your God, O Israel, that you brought out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this big people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now that's a very theological term, you know, stiff-necked people. Every version I looked at it was stiff-necked. What's stiff-necked mean to you? Prideful? Stubborn? That's what I thought, stubborn. Won't bow to submission? That's your theological answer. Wesley says in the notes of the Bible, unapt to come under the yoke of divine law, adverse to all good and prone to evil, obstinate to the methods of cure. Um, so God is looking and saying, listen, it's, it's, I, I gave you some, some laws just a few weeks ago, and you're already messing up, and, and you're just stubborn. You're stiff-necked. You're prideful. Now, this is God speaking to Moses again. Now, there, Verse 10. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. And we'll make you a great nation. God tells Moses, leave me alone. God tells Moses, leave me alone. Has that ever occurred before in the Bible? Where God tells somebody, leave me alone. There's a story in Genesis 24. When there's a guy named Jacob that's, that's wanting blessings. And God's going, you messed up. And there's this fellow in the Bible that we don't know who is walking by. And Jacob won't let go of him. And that, that figure says, leave me alone. Go away. That figure, and this is way deeper than I can get into, was the spirit of God. And they get in a wrestling match. And that's where Jacob gets his limp from that wrestling match. So it, it's happened before. So God's talking to Moses, and he's saying, leave me alone. I, I'm fed up. There's nothing you do to change my mind, basically. 11. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom I have brought out of the land of Egypt uh, with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, look, they, they, he rescued them and brought them all this way and look at them. He brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. That word relent Oh, I broke it, Daniel. That word relent is, how do you pronounce that word I asked you earlier? Nakhum. Say it again. Nakhum. Relent. In the, in the Hebrew, this is nakhum, which means to have compassion. Okay? And that's, this is going to come up again in just a little bit. To have compassion. So Moses is saying, turn from your fierce wrath. Have some compassion from doing harm to your people. 
Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, uh, your servants to whom you swore to your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken to give to your descendants, they shall inherit forever. So the Lord relented, have compassion, from the harm which he had said he would do his people. Now, you know, God said, I'm going I'm to burn them up. Forty days ago, I said, have no other idols before me, don't have any other gods before me, and here they are, this golden calf thing, and, and, and Moses is praying, pleading with God, and God says, okay, he has compassion. Did God change his mind? Did Moses talk him out of something? This is the interactive part. Did, did Moses change his mind? Did God change his mind? And I'm not sure if that's, we're doing that anamorphism thing, whatever. Did God change his mind? Why? Okay. Okay. Anybody else? You have six children. You know, a lot of my theology is being a parent. A lot of my theology, because I mean, um, you know, I look at my children and the relationship that I, I'm supposed to have with them and the things I'm not supposed to do, things I'm supposed to do to, for them. And then I think of God and the things that he does for us. And I'm going, I, I wouldn't do that for my daughter. <laughs> She's getting on my nerves or something. You know, it's just, it, so I get a lot of my theology from parenting. It has nothing to do with it. So the Lord really did, uh, and he had compassion. This, and, Fatherly, this is fatherly forgiveness. This is fatherly forgiveness. God, our Father, is listening to Moses. He's upset. He's a jealous God. And Moses says, come on, you know, what are you, look what the Egyptians are going to say about us if you've brought us all this way and you're going to do all this stuff to us. And he has fatherly forgiveness for the children of Israel. But he, he's, he's still not too happy. Uh, and Moses turned, 15, Moses turned went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony, Ten Commandments, um, were in his hand. The tablets were in on both sides, on one side, and on the other side, they were written, Now the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God. That'd be cool to read. Engraved on the tablets. Now, Adam Clark, um, in his commentary, there's all kinds of suppositions and Ten Commandments. They were written on both sides. Two tablets. What did they look like? How were they written? You know, the writing of God. What is this whole thing? You know, what I tend to agree with is there were two tablets. The first five commandments where the relationship between God and us and the second tab tablets was their relationship. And I think one tablet was this relationship, the second tablet was this relationship. Uh, writing on both sides, um, Egyptian history was when you had a covenant, two parties had a covenant, you'd make two copies. And, and I would get a copy and Matt would get a copy. And this two, or the two-sided thing was, so when Moses was holding it up going, thou shalt not kill, on that side, people go, thou shalt not kill. Because he was a very good public speaker, so he might have stuttered a bunch and they could read it. Who knows? Um, he came down with these two tablets. Joshua heard the noises of people as they got there. And uh, Joshua uh, was a young man, not necessarily age-wise, but a young man as far as service. He was, he was Moses' servant, and he was... He was, he was that's how, when they say young man, it's not his physical age. He's just young in his apprenticeship uh, in, the, in, the, in the hierarchy 
of the, of, I'm not sure about priesthood. Uh, and he goes, listen, shh, what do you hear? Is that a fight? No, it's not a fight. Are they partying? I think they're partying. What's happening? They show up. Now, this is, the, they got the, they, they're dancing around, around this golden calf. Um, chapter, or verse 19. So it was, as soon as he came near the calf, he saw the calf and the dancing. Moses' anger became hot, and he cast out the tablets of his, of his hands and broke them on the foot of the mountain. Took the calf which he had made, burned it in the fire, ground it to powder, and he scattered it in the water and made the children of Israel drink it. And Moses said to Aaron, what happened? What did these people do to you that caused this? Because I put, God told me to put you in charge. I trusted you. What did they do to you? I mean, they threatened your family? What? Well, how did it get to this point? And Aaron, who's a good man that made a bad decision here, Aaron says in verse 22, Do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. <laughs> you know these people. I mean, you've just been gone a little bit. You know how these people can be. They, uh, they're set on evil. They come up and they said to me, Make us some gods that shall go up before us. As far as this Moses, the man who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. And I tried to tell them, Well, you know, whoever has any gold, Break it off and, uh, and, and give it to me. And I just threw it in the fire. I got all this gold and just threw it in the fire. And look what came out. <laughs> Holy cow. Holy cow. Look what came out. This came out. I have no idea. When this, Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, now that unrestrained in, in one of the versions of Bible I read was, was italicized, looked it up, and, uh, and basically they were partying, they were running around naked, screaming and dancing around and stuff like that. Moses came off the mountain, he sees, he sees this you know, big ox, cow, golden thing, and people running around naked, dancing around. For Aaron had not restrained them to the shame among their enemies, because Moses' worry was everyone else, he was, on a, he was on a mission trip, and everyone around the children of God were watching. And here they are embarrassing themselves and, and, and shaming God. And Moses is going, our neighbors, everybody around us, they don't care for us anyway. We're, but now look at us. Look at they're just We're ruining things. Then Moses stood at the entrance of the camp. And said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. Who did he call for? Who did Moses call for? Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. Did he call any particular tribe? Any particular person? He said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And who came? The Levites. Now, Moses was a Levite. So there might have, be, might have been some, you know, well, he's one of us. We better go over there and see what's going on. The Levites show up. And Moses gets together with the Levites. He's his, 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 his family, his tribe. And he says, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from the entrance 
go from entrance to entrance throughout the camp, and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. Now, this is one of those verses that you read, and you kind of go, ooh, that sounds kind of tough. And then you read a couple of commentaries, and you go, well, that was tough. And then you read just a few more commentaries, and you go, well, it wasn't as tough as you think it would be. Because they killed 3,000 men that day. Someone asked, well, who, who did they kill? The, the population at the moment of this group of folks is around 600,000 people. Okay? When Moses comes off the mountain and there's people out dancing naked and screaming and yelling and partying and worshiping this, this golden calf, there wasn't 600,000 people doing this. It was some. Okay? Moses says, the Lord said, we need to take care of the problem. And the Levites get the swords, and they go, and they kill their, their, their friends, they kill their brothers, uh, they kill their companions, uh, they kill their sons. Some of the, the uh, things that I've read about this was most of the children of God were in tents. They were moaning and groaning about the sin that the nation has committed. They're not on, not, they're not on the streets partying. These 3,000 people were, were almost like the ringleaders of this movement, of this golden calf movement, and they were the ones out partying. Now, if you have any, Terry's going, I don't know, if you have anything, spit it out. These 3,000 people were the ringleaders uh, that, that, that started this whole thing and was carrying the momentum, and this is, these are the people uh, that the Levites took care of, and they killed 3,000 people. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and about 3,000 men and people fell that day. Then Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, that he may bestow on you a blessing, for every man has opposed his son and brother. Now what were the Levites? Who were the Levites? The priest. Is this the moment? Were they priests before this moment? No. They were not the priests before this moment. At this moment, when Moses says, Consecrate yourselves to the Lord, this is when they became the priest. Okay, and there's a lot of neat things about the Levites. They they gave up a lot of stuff to be priests. They gave up the blessings of of, of owning their own land. They gave up the blessings of owning their own uh, source of income. They relied on other people, the other tribes, to letting letting them have places to live, and supplying them with with finances and and food and stuff like that. They were priests. They had more important things to do. But this is the verse where the Levites became the priests. Came to pass on the next day, Moses said to the people, you screwed up. You've committed a great sin. So now I'm going to go up to the Lord and maybe, I don't know, maybe I can do something, say something that's going to atone you for your sin. I don't know. And Moses returned to the Lord and said, these people have committed a great sin. They've made themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive Verse 32, yet now if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. That doesn't sound right to me when you read it grammatically. Yet now if you will forgive their sin, but if not. Punctuation between sin and but. What do you have? Huh? A hyphen? What else? Anybody else have anything besides a hyphen? Hyphen and semicolon? A semicolon? The, the, uh, the commentaries I've read said that Moses is talking right here, and that, that, that hyphen or that semicolon is a, a break in thought. 
a break in Moses' train of thought. He doesn't finish his train of thought here. Okay? That he, uh, where am I? 32. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. Uh, Isaiah 4, 3, Daniel 12, 1, Revelation 3, 5. And there's a lot of other verses that recall back to this, this, your book, which is the book of life. And Moses is saying, if you're not going to forgive these people, take me out of the book because I was in charge. And, and it's, it's their fault, but it's my fault too because I let it happen. So Moses is saying, if you take these folks out, don't include me. These are my people too, and I, want to, I will accept the responsibility for these people and their actions. And the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. And that's justice right there. I will blot them out of the book for their sin. Now, therefore, go lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon them for their sin. So the Lord plagued their people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron made. Now, when I looked up that, so the Lord plagued their people. Another thing that, that I do when, when I, I, I do a study, not necessarily when I teach, is if it's, if it's Old Testament especially, I'll go to the, a lot of Jewish websites just to get a sense of what their mindset might be and see why or where or how they're thinking. There is a, a Jewish saying, and when this, the Lord plagued the people, you know, I, I don't remember any frogs in this particular story or crickets or snakes or you know, flies or boils or anything in this story, but here's a Jewish saying. Today, no affliction has ever happened to Israel in which there was not some particle of dust of the golden calf. I think things that, that bad happen to the Jewish people, they look at this, this story, and this is, a, this is the plague. The Lord plagued the people because of what they did. And I think today this is still what they're, they're hanging their hat on right here because of the dust of the golden calf. Exodus 33, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here. And the people whom you have brought up land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Skip to two. And I will send my angel before you. This is the second time he said, I will send my angel before you. And I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Prezrite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to the land flowing milk and honey, for I, will not go into your, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way. Because you're stubborn. You're a stiff-necked people. He's forgiving. He, he's, he's forgiving the people. Kind of, because this to me still sounds like he's kind of mad. Because he goes, I'm going to let you go to the land of milk and honey, and I'm going to send my angel that you can follow. Because if if I'm around you much more, I'm going to zap you. He still kind of, to me, sounds kind of mad. Can you forgive someone and still be kind of mad? Yeah, I think, yeah, you can. He's still kind of mad. And when the people heard the bad news, bad news, how is this bad news? Another question someone had. <coughs> Excuse me. He just said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll give you another chance. Go on to the milk and honey. I'm going to send you an angel you can follow. And when the people heard this bad news, why is that bad news? 
They reach, God just said, I'm not going to zap you. You can still get there. Might take you a little bit longer, but you still get there. Why is this bad news? Exactly. This entire time, God, it says God was with the people here. God was with people there. He rescued them out of Egypt. He, God was there. This is the first time in the scripture that God said, I'm, I'm not going to be with you. I'm going to send an angel. And the, and the people went, uh-oh, it's not God. He's going to send an angel. To them, this was bad news. They mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. Um, For the Lord had said to Moses, this is past tense, for the Lord had said to Moses, say to the children of Israel, you're stubborn, you're stiff-necked, I come up to your midst in one moment, and I I could come up to you in your midst in one moment and consume you. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of the ornaments by Mount Horeb. Now, what's that? Strip, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do to you. What were ornaments? Jewelry and fine clothing. It'd be like if you had the money and your necklaces and your diamond rings and earrings and stuff. Or if you just had a nice set of Sunday clothes. Nice set of Sunday clothes. That's your ornaments as well, okay? And God's saying, take off your ornaments so I know what to do to you. What's he, what is God addressing here? He said it a minute ago. The heart, but I think he's addressing the pride. I mean, this, most problems that we have this way is pride. That's where the root starts is pride. And I think God is addressing their pride right here. Take off your jewelry. Take off your expensive rings and your Rolex watches. And take off your, your fancy shoes and your, and so I know what to do to you. And I, I, 600,000 people minus 3,000 left some births, I guess. I'm not sure. I don't, it doesn't say if everyone did this. It, I believe everyone did this. They stripped their fine, they, got, they, they submitted their pride. Seven, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp. Significant of this, he pitched his tent outside the camp, and, uh, and this was the tent of meeting. It wasn't really the tabernacle. This is where Moses went uh, to talk to God. And the significance of taking it, pitching it outside the tent was, again, God's not with the people. He's somewhere else. He's, he's, he's not left them alone, but he's not in their midst. And Moses leaves the camp to go meet God. And when this happens, and now... The folks are submitting, everyone's submitting to God at this moment, okay? And, and I think it's out of fear. Um, and it came to pass that everyone who, everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. Does that mean everyone went? Huh? Read it. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle. I don't think everyone went. Still, I think everyone who sought the Lord went. It doesn't say everyone, and it doesn't say all. It says everyone who sought the Lord. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that 
all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone to the tabernacle. So I think the ones who were seeking the Lord, they kind of from a distance followed Moses out to the tent. Okay, and I don't know, who knows how close they got to the tent. They probably, you know, some books say it was, it, was, it was a Sabbath's walk, a day's walk to get to the tent from the camp. I don't know. And there's people following him and watching him. Yeah, he, Moses had a habit of disappearing. I mean, he'd gone 40 days at a time. You're like, what happened to him? So there's people following him, okay, who sought the Lord. But all people, as Moses got up to go to the tent of meeting, everyone would rise and stand up and watch him. And it was almost like, a, in my head, a very silent, quiet parade as one man walked and a few people who sought the Lord kind of followed from a distance. And everybody else just standing at the front door, you know, watching this procession go outside. And they knew where they were going, and they knew what was going to happen. And everyone, all people stood at their tents to watch until he'd gone to the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that a pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And the people saw it. People rose and worshipped, and each man at his tent door worshipped. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as the man speaks to his friend. Now, did I'd say there's, just, there's no way I'm going to finish. This is another one of those verses. Because in just a few more verses, it says, God says, nobody can see my face or they're going to die. And this is one of those verses that some folks say, well, the Bible contradicts itself. Because right here it says, Moses and God spoke face to face. And just a few verses later, it says, if you look at my face, you're going to die. It, it, see, the Bible's not true because there's just too many things that are wrong with it. I don't think this is a literal sense that he is speaking face to face. Because it says he speaks face to face as with a friend. Terry and I have breakfast every Tuesday morning. Well, not every Tuesday morning. Sometimes he doesn't show up. And we're friends, okay? And we share things. I share things with him that I probably wouldn't share with some of you just because we don't have that relationship, okay? Um, I share things with my wife that I'm not going to share with any of you because we have that friendship and that bond. Um, I think God is present and is speaking to Moses with no concern for authority. I, I, it's, it's not... God and Moses. It's God and Moses. And, and, they're, and they're speaking, just like Terry and I would speak over pancakes. Um, can Jewish people eat pancakes? I know they wouldn't have bacon. Turkey bacon. I think it might be like Adam talking to Bernard. It, this was a, just a companion thing, okay? So I don't think he's, there, he's, that Moses is looking into the face of God. Moses returned to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, here we are, young, did not depart the tabernacle. There's nothing in, in, in concordances or com, uh, uh, commentaries that says why Joshua, Joshua stayed there. There's a lots, of, lots of, of opinions, but I couldn't find anything. Uh, Moses said to the Lord, see that you say, bring me up this people, but you have not let me, uh, 
but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. You have also found grace in my sight. I pray that if I found grace in your sight, show me your way, that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight. And consider this nation is your people. And when I read this for the 15th time, right before verse 14, after Moses is begging, speaking face-to-face, his buddies, his friend, Moses puts it out on the line and says, let me know, let me see your face, these people. Verse 14, this is what I see. Right before 14, I hear God go. And God said, my presence will go with you, and I'll give you rest. Mercy. Earlier we saw some justice. This is mercy. Again, this is that relent, that to have compassion, that father's fatherly forgiveness. If you've got children, you've been this close to stabbing your kids in the eye with a stick. Okay? <laughs> this close. And you went. <sighs> My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't bring us out. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from the people who are on the, who upon the face of the earth. The only reason we're different is because of you. The only reason we're different is because of you. And if you leave us, we're no different than everyone else. So don't, please, don't go away. And then Moses says, or I'm sorry, um, the Lord says, 17, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. A little bit more mercy. And he says, show me your glory. Please, show me your glory. And God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Now, in some commentaries right here, which says, I will proclaim the name of the, of the Lord before you. Um, some folks say that, that God actually told Moses his sacred holy name. That study, that's all I'm going to say. That Moses, that Moses heard the sacred holy name of God. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion or mercy. And he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. Gosh. God says, there is this place right beside me. Come here and stand on the rock. Can that be anything but Jesus? Standing on the rock right beside me. So it shall be, while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you will see my back. But my face, you won't see it. I think this is Jesus written all over it. This cleft on the rock. Rock of ages, cleft of me. He's gone. That's all that Max said. Really quickly, because I don't have much time. Exodus 34, Moses makes new tablets, which is already a controversy. Who made the first two tablets? God made the first two tablets. He made everything. 
There were the tablets. And some people say that these were pretty large pieces of rock that it, if it wasn't for the, the power of God, Moses couldn't lift. That's not in the scripture. That's just different contemporaries I've read. Now God says, I need you. Okay, I forgave you. Okay. I, I don't understand what happened down there. In 40 days that you left, and I third, my thunderous voice said, don't have any other gods, and they make this calf in, in, in five, six weeks. They rebelled against me. I'll tell you what I'm going to make you do. Okay. You make the tablet. And you got a day. And then you need to climb the mountain. Okay, because we got some things to talk about. So in a day, Moses makes two stone tablets. Like the first one. Oh, wait, I'm ahead of myself. I'm behind myself. Chapter, or verse 2. So be ready in the morning. Come up to the morning, Mount Sinai, and present yourself to me top of the mountain, and no man shall come with you. Don't let anybody have any goats or flocks or anything like that. Moses cut two tablets, just like the first ones, and Moses rose early in the morning went up there. And he took the two tablets. Now, verse 5, Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. This is where he told Moses that, that sacred holy name. He proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. So Moses made haste, verse 8, bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped, and says, If now, if I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us to, into your inheritance. And God said, Behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do the marvels such as has never been seen anywhere. And the people among you shall see the work of the Lord. It's an awesome thing that I do with you. And then he goes through a whole bunch of things here for the next nine, ten verses. These are kind of like tenets. These are not the Ten Commandments. Verse 21, six days you shall work, but on the seventh you will take a rest. You shall not offer blood in my sacrifice with leavened bread. Three times a year all your men shall pull before the Lord. All these things. And then there's Ten Commandments, okay? This is just me. He comes down with these two tablets written on both sides. Um, and God has written some of it. And, and he says, you, a couple of verses here, God says, you write these things. And then I'll take care of this, okay? So when Moses comes back down the second time with the, with the Ten Commandments, I think the Ten Commandments was my imagination, God doing this in the rock. Okay, that's the Ten Commandments. But Moses wrote on the other side. That's my opinion. Okay, that's just what I believe. Um, so here, verses 17 through 26. I think this is what Moses wrote on the back of the stone tablets. Prove me wrong. Lord said to Moses, write these words, for according to the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with you in Israel. So he was there with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate nor drank. And he wrote, Moses wrote the tablets of the words of the covenant. And then he came down off the mountain. And, and everybody in 40 days, this is the second trip down. They're not dancing on a bull. They're not running around naked. I imagine every day they'd have somebody out there going, you come down yet? Haven't seen him. No sign. Moses shows up, and there's something a little different. And from the distance, you're like, is that Moses? I don't know. Something weird about that. Gets closer. 
Now, Moses was with God. He was in God's presence. He comes down. And he's not only just, man, he's shining. He's glowing. I don't know if you know what seen those photographs of the, everybody, the halo is around their whole head. That's what I imagine. Now, does anyone, has, I asked my wife this, and she goes, vaguely I remember this. Has anyone seen the statue or a painting? The statue is, is by Michelangelo. Paintings are, my, my grandmother had one in her house. Has anyone seen a painting of Moses with horns? Go home, get on the internet, and, and Google old paintings of Moses and search horns. Michelangelo, Michelangelo statue of Moses in Rome. He has horns, little bitty old horns like this. My grandmother's painting had Moses uh, coming down with the Ten Commandments. I, this was the and he had horns. And that, when I was little, I kind of went, that doesn't make sense. He had horns, not horns. Horns. This is where this horn bit comes from. Because the word shine, when you translate it into Latin, it also means horns. So if you were reading the Bible in Latin, or that's what you were taught, Moses came off the mountain and with horns. Um, I just, that has nothing to do with this, but I just find that kind of interesting. So he's shining. And I think this, this translation of horns comes from the, the, the rays of light shooting out. Okay? And people are going, my goodness, what's going on here? And so Moses comes down off the mountain, and when Aaron and the children of uh, Israel saw Moses, the skin of his face shone, they were afraid to come near him. And Moses called to them, Aaron and the rulers of the congregation, uh, come here, and he talked to you. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them the commandments, all that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with him, he put a veil on his face. Why? Why do you think he would put a veil on his face? He had a couple of horns. <laughs> Wrong idea. <laughs> That's why I have breakfast. Why do you put a veil on his face? Yes. I don't think it's because I don't think it's because Moses is ashamed that he's different all of a sudden because his, he's got this flashlight in his face. I, I, exactly, I think this is 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 um, what Jim said. I can't say any better than what Jim said. If you need the microphone, I'll bring it over there for the internet. What Jim said. But whenever Moses went before this Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. Then Moses would put the, veil of face, put the veil on his face again until he went to speak with God. God paid a high price for a relationship with us. He, uh, he had justice. People disobeyed him. He had from, from <laughs> I don't, right now, if God came and said, don't drink coffee, I could last more than six weeks not drinking coffee. Okay, Six weeks, they rebelled against his nature. Uh, and he paid a high price, God did, to have a relationship with us. We've got to return the favor and have a relationship with him. Um, apply what is the point? God is just, God is mer- merciful, and God forgives. Personalize, what are we going to do with this? Understand that each of us 
you are sinners, I am a sinner. Two, accept God's grace. And three, be like Moses and let your little light shine because you can. And people see the difference. They see the difference. Let your little light shine. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.